Well, I'm excited tonight because, man, I've had a good week. Now, I've been gone, and, and if, for most of y'all that, that don't know, but um, I go and I sing every once in a while, and, and the church graciously allows me to go do that. But uh, I was uh, off in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, Mesa, Apache Junction, Apache Wells, and a little place called Dolan Springs. I arrived in Dolan Springs on Wednesday morning. We had lunch, and I got to sit with a young man and got to lead him to the Lord. So I'm on cloud nine because I was able to share the gospel with somebody. And then when I asked him about everything that I had shared with him, I said, what do you think about that? And he said, I think I need to do something about that. And I said, would you like to receive Jesus? And he said, I would like to receive Jesus. Now, I don't know if you heard the words in that last song, if you was praising and worship to that last song, but the the scripture we have tonight says that Jesus has overcome, and we too as well have overcome the world. How do we overcome the world? In this short passage of scripture tonight, we're going to look at it, and we're going to see that when it comes to overcoming the world, we have everything we need in Jesus Christ. And when we look at this scripture here, we'll, we'll go to John chapter 16. We're going to be in verses 23 through 33. But we will look back at the two verses that we covered a couple of weeks ago, where we left off two weeks ago, so we can begin there, so we can put this whole thing together. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to John chapter 16. We're going to start right where I said there in verse 23. So here we go. In that day, you will ask... Nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Verse 25, I have said these things to you in figure of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I you got to listen to this part right here. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed in me that I have come from God. I came from the Father and I have come into this world. And now I am leaving the world and I'm going to the Father. His disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly. He said the day would come, and it come pretty quick, didn't it? He said, now you're speaking plainly and not using figures of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered him, do you now believe? Do you now believe? We'll talk about that here in a minute. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone. The Father is with me. I have said these things to you. In me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. Father God, we just pray once again through your spirit. Guide us and direct us through these words tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I have often talked about the principles of uh, the, the, and the importance of the, your pillars of faith. 
uh, this is how we live our lives. If you remember back to a picture I showed, I can't remember how long ago it's been, but I showed a picture of a hurricane that had come through a piece of property. And in that picture, you seen a house that was not touched at all, but everything around it was completely destroyed. And that's how we need to look at our lives, our, our lives of faith. We need to realize that we have these pillars of faith in our life to make us have a strong foundation. And those pillars of faith, one of them just happens to be prayer. And we're going to speak a little bit on that tonight. But the other ones are your worship and your fellowship and your study and the knowledge of God's word, your relationship with God. And when we, and when we, Look at these pillars of faith that we have. We need them to have a strong foundation so that when the storms of life, when the tribulations come, we will be able to stand up to any storm that we're confronted with. Why? Well, let's look at the scripture and just read these scriptures. Why is this prayer the most powerful thing that we have in our lives and that we can use? Jesus says it right here. In the day, in that day, You will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. We have that Bible scripture right there, and the Bible tells us clearly why we should pray, especially those who claim to know and follow Jesus. First of all, we are Uh, commanded to pray. The Bible says this. Psalms 105 is a great passage to go to. You can look at it, and it'll tell you that, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Uh, Make known his deeds among the people. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face. How about uh, 2 Corinthians or Second Chronicles seven fourteen. You should you should have this memorized. You should know this passage by part by heart. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, what will he do? He said, "I will hear them from heaven, and I will forgive them of their sins, and I will heal their land." God desires our companionship, and he wants to spend personal time with us. And the way we do that is through prayer. And I'm guilty of not praying as much as I should. I I should pray more than what I do. But prayer is, there is power in prayer. And we must spend that time in prayer praying to God. Prayer helps us understand God's will and the plan that he has for our lives. It connects us to his power. It helps us speak his words with boldness. And, and it will. Cha- I'm going to challenge you tonight. If you've never done this before, I want you to, to start praying for Bob. Now, I'm not talking about Bob Randalls or, or Bob Mazingle, all those, or any other Bob you have in your life, although they might need some prayer. I'm talking about a different Bob. I'm talking about a completely different. Have you ever met Bob? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Have you ever prayed for Bob? If you are to make known his deeds among the people, as the Bible says, then you need to be praying for Bob. If you are to make known his deeds among the people, then you need to be praying for Bob. That first B in the word Bob, it it stands for burden. It stands for burden, that we be burdened, ask Pray for burden. 
Ask God to burden your heart for the lost. Ask God, pray that he will burden you with the thoughts that people are dying and that they're going to hell. And that the only thing that can stop that is us sharing the gospel. For us to be burdened with the fact that we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we do something about it. The O in Bob stands for opportunity. And we need to be praying to the Lord to put opportunities in front of us each and every day to share the truth with the lost. Colossians 4, 2 through 5 says this, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Isn't that awesome? A door of utterance to speak the mysteries of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, also in chains. I am chained to Christ, is what Paul was saying, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without. Man, that's a powerful scripture right there. Redeeming the time is what it says at at the end of that scripture. That's praying for opportunity. For opportunities to come and meet us face to face every day. Man, I messed up yesterday. And I, I'm, a, I'm not afraid to tell you. I was walking across the parking lot and pushing my shopping cart at, from Sam's. And, and there was, a, there was a, a black man next to me and he was pushing his cart. And I said, you want a race? And he just started laughing. And I thought, man, there was my opportunity to share the gospel with that man. And I didn't do it. I was too busy about my day. But... When we pray, we pray for that burden. We pray for that opportunity that we'll have to run into these people that we, we don't know if they need Jesus or not because the world, we have to look at it as lost or saved, right? And that final B is for boldness, to be bold. That's what I liked yesterday. I didn't have the boldness. I had the opportunity, and I had the burden because I know it's my responsibility to share the gospel. But where was my boldness at? So when we pray, we pray for Bob. We pray for that last B, that boldness. You must have boldness to get into a conversation when it is before you. Philippians 1.4 says, And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confidence by my bonds. They are lacking the confidence, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That's what we need to be praying Help us speak without fear. Philippians 1.22 says, According to my earnest expectation of my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, that with all boldness, as always, so now always Christ shall be manifested in my body, whether it's in life, whether it's in death. No matter what we was talking about that a while ago, Martha, when we was talking about going to the Maldives. I don't know what's going to happen when I get over there. I might get kicked out of the country for sharing the gospel. But you know what? I might get thrown in jail, and I might have to get to share the gospel while I'm in jail. Who knows what's going to happen when we go over there? When you're being bold, you never know what could happen. And that's what Paul says right there to the Philippians. He said, whether in life or in death, I'm going to do what I need to do in my body. And all we have to do is ask. All we have to do is ask. That's what this first passage is, the central theme of this passage right here is, is about prayer. It's about asking. That's what that word ask means. 
He says, ask. He said, in that day you will ask nothing of me. True the truth, I say whatever you ask of the Father. So we're to ask. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full, right? It's important to understand that here in the text, ask is used two different ways. Me and Jerry Tyler was talking about this earlier, uh, the, the, the difference between the two types of ask. They, but they're actually interchangeable too at the same time. But the word used in John 16, 19 and 23a, which you can split that verse apart into two different sections, and then 26 means to ask a question or ask a request. And that's going to become very important here in just a second. It is used this way, when somebody makes a request of somebody who is equal. Ask when somebody's equal, a request when somebody... And what could that mean in the scripture? Well, that's Jesus was asking. When Jesus prayed, he was God. He was praying to God. He was praying to his equal, right? That request that he was making to God was a God-to-God thing. But when we look at this word in the opposite, it's used in, in, in those in those. 23b and 24 and 26b, it means to pray. It means to request something of a superior. And that's what we do. We ask, we ask in Jesus' name, we ask God to do something on our behalf. We're making a request to a superior. The latter word was never used by Jesus in his prayer life. He never had to. He was God. But yet he still prayed. Why would he do that? Why would an equal have to even ask or request? I don't know. Maybe we're going to have to ask Jesus, why did you have to pray to God? But he's always telling us, make your request be made known, right? Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. But when it comes to us, we're inferior to God. We ask for his blessings. But when God's son comes to God, he's an equal with the Father. Man, that's just, that's just important for us to see this in the Scripture, that this is how that word ask is used in, in the prayer life. You know, have you ever noticed that, that when you speak to someone nowadays, when you call to talk to somebody on the phone, you can't ever hardly get that person? You know, I asked Terry this morning before she left the house, I said, I said, if somebody was to call you, can they get a hold of you right when, you know, when they call the clinic? And she, no. No. So you can call the doctor's office, and you get the receptionist, and then the receptionist may give you to the nurse, and then the, the nurse may give you to the doctor, but that rarely happens. When you have a desire to ask somebody something, you, you, want, you, want, you, you have this urgent desire or this urgent need in your life, and you want the answer right now. So I asked Terry about that, and she said, no, she said, no, they, they, you know, the best thing to do is make an appointment, and that may be for some time down the road. Now, if you want to go and just text her a message or email her, you, she, she can get a message right to her portal. But, but her nurse won't let her speak to anybody until they've talked to the receptionist and then talked to the nurse, and then she gets, then they get to go back and see the doctor. And I and I thought, man, this is just this this is just incredible because I thought that's this is really true. 
We don't ever really get to talk to the person we want to talk, whether it's the head of a company, whether it's your doctor, whether it's a senator, whether it's the president of the United States. I called up, I called up Senator Langford's office this morning just to test this theory out. I called up his office this morning and I said, yes, this is Pastor David Edwards from Exciting Southeast Baptist Church. And I want to talk to uh, Senator, Senator Lankford. And he said, well, you can't do that because he's not, he's not in the office. And I said, well, I figured that's what was going to happen. I really don't want to talk to him. I was just testing the theory. I'm writing a sermon and I wanted an illustration for tonight's sermon. And I got to talking to this guy about God. But, uh, you know, so I'm sitting here talking to him and, and I said, well, uh, what, what's, the, what's the protocol for me to get to talk to, to, to Senator Langford? And he said, well, we'll uh, I'll, I'll give your number to somebody else, and then that somebody else will call you, and then they'll basically screen you. They, they, he didn't say that. They'll get back with you, and then and if, if, if time allows, then they'll put you in contact with, with Senator Langford. And I said, well, I said, I said, well, what about the president? How, what's the process of getting to talk to him on the phone? He said, man, good luck with that. Good luck with that. I'm hearing her talking to, to one of Senator Langford's aides, and, and I couldn't even get a good answer when I could talk to that person. But, but praise be to God that when we need a, something done in our lives, we have a desire, a need, we can go straight to God and pray to him. We don't have to go through nobody else. We can go straight to the head man. And as far as I know, God is over any doctor or any senator or any president or any prince or any king. He's high and mighty. He's the creator of the universe. And we get to go directly to him with our needs. And he says, ask that your joy may be full. Amen. We can, we can do that. Where else can you do that? Man, that's a God who really loves his children. He really loves you. And he really wants to talk with you. He wants to communicate. He wants you to call upon him. Call upon the name of the Lord. Seek my face is what the scripture says to do. Man, that's good stuff right there. And when we don't follow the commands of the Lord and we... And we don't pray the way we're supposed to. We're going to run into walls and we're going to run into to barricades. It's just like the song says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What, we, what are you missing out on? Where is your prayer life today? Where is your prayer life? You know, I'm so guilty of this. So often do I not take what I need to take to God. I think I can fix it on my own. I think I can do it myself. I, I rely on myself for the answers, but I don't have the answers. And I don't have to rely on myself for the answers because I can go to God. And God will give me those answers. Because you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, as children of the Most High God, we have an instant, immediate, direct, and powerful access to the throne room of God. And we can go there with our petitions and prayers. And that's what we need to be doing. We can enter His presence with those petitions because He is the vine and I am the branches. And because of that, I have this relationship with Him. He feeds me and the Master's there feeding Him. We get that. 
We get that from a, of a, from an awesome and powerful God. He is, he is higher, like I said, than any doctor. He is higher than any senator. He is higher than any president, any prince, any king. He's an almighty, powerful God, and he loves us, and he wants to hear from us. Man. You know, that's why we have altar, that's why we have an altar call for prayer during our worship service. Because your prayer is worship to him. And oftentimes, oftentimes, man, we fail to act in our worship and come forward to pray. We, it may be because uh, we don't want other people to think we've got a problem. We, we don't want them to think that we've got something wrong with us. And that, that, oh, I, that, oh, so-and-so, he's back up there in the altar again praying. He must have something. He must have sinned last week. No. We get, we get the privilege. Oh, what a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. We get to bring it right here to the altars. And it's just like the sacrificial. I've told you this before. It's the sacrificial altars. We get to bring a sacrifice of praise and worship and prayer to our mighty God. And we don't even act. We miss the opportunity. What a privilege it is to carry everything to him in prayer. You have no excuse not to fill these altars every time we're in a house of worship. Because it's part of your worship. You need to realize that I get to worship God, a mighty God, and I get to pray to him. Like I said, don't worry about what everybody else thinks. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but you do need to do one thing. God has commanded us to seek him, to call out upon his name, to pray to him. I'd be more worried about what God thinks about me not coming to the altars and praying than what everybody else in the audience thinks about me coming and praying. So why has Jesus told us all this stuff? Why did he tell his disciples these things? Let's just read on. Uh, Verse 29. Verse 29. His disciples said, Ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know, now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And then Jesus answered them. Do you now believe And this is not just an ordinary question. Because the way he's stating this question right here is actually, oh, now I see your faith. That's what Jesus is... I don't know why John just couldn't have wrote that. But that's not what he wrote. He wrote, do you now believe? He said, oh, now I see your faith. You now believe in what I've been telling you. That verse tells us it it is possible... These verses really tell us a couple of things. If we keep looking at the scripture here, it says, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, has come. And, and when you will be scattered, you will be scattered. It's, it's, not a, it's not a question. He says you will be scattered. You believe now. You have faith now. But wait a minute. Something's getting ready to happen to you. You're getting ready to get scattered. I'm getting ready to get put on a cross. I'm going to be arrested, persecuted, uh, whipped, beaten, put on a cross, crucified, and I'm going to die, and you're going to scatter. These verses right here tell us that it is possible to have faith. 
and understanding and assurance and still fail our Lord. That's what these verses are telling. If you're, if you're somebody that's struggling with sin in your life, you're struggling with alcoholism or you're struggling with, you're, you're, you're struggling with uh, uh, a, a lustful uh, addiction to something you shouldn't be addicted to, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever those things are, God still loves you. And if you're a believer in him, he wants you to reach that sanctification point to where you're being, being more sanctified day by day. But it's still possible to have understanding. It's still possible to have faith, and it's still possible to have assurance, and it's still possible to fail your Lord. Not that we want you to fail. Not that he wants you to fail. But it can still happen. Let's look at Matthew 26, 31 through 35. Matthew 26, 31. I should have marked this. I can find it. Bible drill, everybody. Bible drill. Matthew 26, 31 through 35. Then Jesus said to them, You will fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you in Galilee. He's telling them, I'm going to see you again. And Peter answered him, Though they have all fallen away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples, they all said the same thing. And we all know the rest of that story. Peter denies Jesus. He failed his Lord. He was scattered with the other disciples, with the rest of them. Only John is found at the foot of the cross. But yet, even John in the garden while they were praying fell asleep when Jesus asked them to be praying so that they would not be tempted. So that you may not enter temptation. And this goes back to us praying and asking. When we fail to pray, we are always at risk of falling into temptation. When our prayer life, our worship life, our fellowship life, or our biblical reading life, if we're not studying the Bible, we're not keeping up the pillars of our faith, we're all in risk of falling into temptation. If you remove the unspiritual thing and fill them with spiritual things, you're less likely to be tempted. That's what, that's what it's telling us. Peter denied Jesus. Thomas doubts Jesus. The disciples were scattered. They all fled. It is possible. Yes, it is possible to have faith. It is possible to have understanding. It is possible to have assurance and still fail the Lord. We've all done it. And we all have this, what I call the case of of the uh, I don't do's. We all have this problem. I don't serve the church the way I always should. I don't pray enough. I'm guilty of that. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't study my Bible enough. I don't witness enough. I don't worship enough. I don't always have the faith that I should have, and I don't always fellowship like I should. And if the, the do, if, the, if the don't do's aren't enough, we have all the things that we shouldn't be doing. 
that we still do anyway. I shouldn't be lying. I shouldn't have lustful thoughts. I shouldn't hate people, which is murder, according to the scriptures. If you don't love your, if you don't, if you hate your brother, that's what it says in John three fifty, First John three fifteen. If you hate your brother, you've committed murder, and he's not worthy to enter the kingdom of heaven. We've got enough hate going around this world that everybody should have died two or three times. I still lie. I still put things before God, and the list goes on and on and on because we've all failed our Lord. We've all failed our Lord. Jesus says in verse 33, I have said these things to you. I have said these things to you that in me, that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulations. The world, the word tribulation, literally and figuratively means pressure. It means pressure. You're going to have all kinds of pressure pushing on you from all directions, from all parts of the world, this worldly life that you're living in. If you want to go on, it says affliction, anguish, burden, persecution, tribulation, trouble. But Jesus says, take heart because I've overcome the world. Take heart. I've already conquered the world for you. I have already done it. Jesus don't say, I will overcome the world. He says, I've already overcome the world. Man, this is a powerful God who is speaking about future things that's going to happen. He overcome the whole world. He overcome the sin of the world by living a sinless life. Jesus overcome the world that, because we couldn't do it ourselves, right? We need Jesus Christ in our life for us to overcome the world. For that to happen, we have to have Jesus. And Jesus says, take heart. For in Christ, there is peace. In this world, there is tribulation. In Christ, there is love. In this world, there is hate. In Christ, there is joy. In this world, there is sorrow. In Christ, there is kindness. In this world, there is ill will. In Christ, there is patience. In this world, there is no time to be patient. In Christ, there is goodness. In this world, there is nothing but evil. In Christ, there's faithfulness. In this world, there's disobedience. In Christ, there is gentleness. In this world, there is harshness. In Christ, there's self-control. In this world, there's overindulgence. In Christ, there is worship. In this world, there is condemnation. In Christ, there is freedom. In this world, you are a slave to sin. In Christ, you are his friend. In this world, you are his enemy. In Christ, there is salvation. And in this world, there is damnation. In Christ, there is heaven. And in this world, there's only hell. Only in Christ can we find hope. For there is no other hope in this world. Only Christ has overcome the world, is what the scripture tells us. The word of God asks this question in 1 John 5, 5. Who is he who overcomes the world? And the answer is this right here. But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. There's good news in that scripture tonight. Because Christians, if you're here tonight, let me tell you that, that you are not of this world. And if you are living like you are, then stop living that way. 
Let me repeat that. Christian, you are not of this world. And if you are living like that, then stop living that way. We can't live like we're a part of this world. We must live like we are not of this world. Jesus, in the next chapter of John, is going to tell us they are not of this world. There's a song that we sing, we're not of this world. This world's not my home. I'm just passing through, right? Christ has overcome the world, and therefore we shall also overcome. If we are to live in his goodness, if we are to live in the goodness of God, we live with our lives laid down. Everything surrendered to him, right? So fully surrender to him. If you're not a Christian in here tonight, there's good news for you because you can too also overcome the world. Tonight, you can be in Christ and not of the world. You can overcome the world. All you have to do is believe in the one and only Son of God, whose name is Jesus. He has overcome this world, and he has lived a sinless life. He has overcome this world, and he went to cross to pay your debt sin that you owed. He died for your sins, and he has overcome death, and he rose from the grave victoriously so that you could live one day in heaven with him forever. That's the good news of the gospel tonight. And if you would just believe in who Jesus is, that he has overcome the world, that he has done these things, you too will overcome this world. You can be saved. You know, I, I, was, I, was, sharing, I was sharing with some, some people uh, uh, some of the things that we use in the, in the gospel presentation, and, and the, the, it goes like this right here. You know, uh, we ask them the question, well, how sure are you you're going to go to heaven? And I want you to answer that in your own mind right now. How sure are you that you know that you're going to go to heaven tonight? How sure are you? Are you 50% sure? Are you 80% sure? you 100% sure? Well, say we get on an airplane and we're going to go do some skydiving just for fun because we like to have fun. We're exciting Southeast Baptist Church. We probably, we probably would go skydiving for Jesus, wouldn't we? But we go skydiving and then we get up there and, and, the, and the instructor, the skydiving instructor, he looks at you and he says, uh, you, uh, I hate to tell you this, but there's only a 50% chance that your parachute's going to open tonight. Or there's an 80% chance that your parachute's going to open tonight when you jump out. We, we don't know for sure. But see, you can be 100% sure tonight. You can be 100% sure that if you were to die and go to heaven, you can be 100% sure because there's only two places you can go. You can either, you're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. And there's no 50-50. You're not going to, boy, I wish I was 100% sure. You can be. You don't have to be 50% sure. Man, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, you need to give your life to him. You need to allow him to be the overcomer in your world. You need that tonight. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you. We just ask you. Father, if there's someone here tonight that needs Jesus, please don't let them tarry. The word's been preached. They, they, they know that Jesus has died for their sins. And give them that assurance, that 100% assurance in their life tonight. That if they were to die, that they wouldn't spend an eternity in hell. They would be 100% for sure going to be spending their life, the rest of their eternal life with Jesus Christ. 
Father, we pray this in your name. Amen. Come. If you need to come give your life to Christ, tonight would be the night to do it. Come and, 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 and pray. Use these altars. Use these altars to worship your Lord and Savior tonight. If you need Jesus, come see me. I'll show you through the scriptures how you can give your life to him.